Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Christine Kim, a research analyst at Coindesk. Welcome to our panel on the evolving landscape of centralized and decentralized cryptocurrency exchanges. This is quite the buzzworthy topic, given the recent indictment against BitMEX, as well as the rapidly growing popularity of decentralized finance, or DeFi. To chat with me about this hot topic are a number of key players in the crypto industry. I have with me Catherine Coley, the CEO of Binance US. Just over a year ago, Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange by trade volume, launched its American branch, which now supports users across 38 different U.S. states, the most recent addition being Florida. Hi, Catherine. We can actually make that 40 now. So we also launched in Alabama and Georgia. That's amazing. We also have Guy Hirsch, the managing director at eToro, which is a company that is also bringing cryptocurrency trading and investing to the U.S. audience. eToro, which operates across more than 140 countries around the world, launched its U.S. services last year, enabling the buying and selling of crypto assets across 32 U.S. states. Is that number still up to date, Guy? We're up to 45. All the updates, just from the start of the panel. Last but not least, we also have Carl Eric Martin, better known as The Moon Carl, who is a YouTube star that travels the world educating people about Bitcoin and crypto. Carl has 128,000 subscribers to his YouTube channel called To The Moon. Glad you're here, Carl. Thanks for having me. Hello. I want to start by talking about the comparative differences between centralized exchanges and DEXs, decentralized exchanges, which will help highlight their advantages and disadvantages as well. Carl, from your experience using various Bitcoin trading platforms and exchanges, showing other people how to trade Bitcoin, how would you characterize the main features of trading on a centralized exchange versus a decentralized one? Yeah, so I think there are many exchanges that are very easy to use, that are centralized. Um, I, I use Binance, for example. It's very easy to use. I use um, Bybit for leverage trading. It's very easy to use. And if I have any problems, then I can reach out to customer support. And very often, everything is very smooth and um, I can get the help I need. Um, so um, I've grown to like some of the exchanges in the space and I use them. I recommend them to my followers and, and whatnot. Um, I have also used some decentralized ones and most recently, of course, Uniswap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, it's been working quite well, but I also have had some huge problems with sending transactions, approving tokens and having like 50 pending transactions that never go through. And then I, I just get a headache. I don't know how to, like, um, I'm also technical in that sense. So I, I have had some problems with decentralized exchanges. I remember also back in 2017 that we had some, um, uh, was it Ether Delta? It was also okay to use, but um, I think they're a little bit slower, a little bit more. Um, I mean, sometimes I feel like decentralization, I mean, it's of course amazing. Um, the idea of decentralization, but I think there's a long way to go here. And um, for now, I still prefer to trade on, on um, centralized exchanges. And I think that's, that will probably be the case for, for the next two years. Um, but hopefully we can see more developments and we see um, the, um, well, the user experience has to be much, much better on these decentralized exchanges. And I think we are getting there. We're already 
we've already seen a nice um, development in the past couple of years, two three years here. Um, but yeah. um, I'm I'm hoping for a little bit more uh, user experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking to the future development of decentralized exchanges, Guy, how worried are you about the competitive advantages that you think decentralized exchanges might one day attain with a better user interface, etc.? Um, how confident are you that within you know that two-year, five-year uh, timeline that centralized exchanges will still maintain the upper hand over DEXs? So we actually at Etoro, we, we built a decentralized exchange or we tried to in 2012. Um, and and uh, basically we're trying to do like atomic swaps on, on top of uh, the Bitcoin protocol with, uh, with a project that was called Colored Coins uh, that Yoni RC worked on together with Vitalik before Vitalik left and started the Ethereum Foundation. So we were, uh, we were and still very big on DeFi. We think that this is the way of the future the, there will be a lot of um, fascinating projects that will hopefully transform uh, uh, finance, but not just, uh, and allow more people to get uh, access to um, either, either markets or to the, the freedom to transact and, and uh, just enable a whole new paradigm of, of, uh, of living, of, of uh, building wealth. And, and we are... Uh, I, I feel that we are as a centralized exchange, we need to play a, a role in this. First, by contributing to these projects, helping them figure out how to um, uh, make that future come faster, but also serve as a, and this is a term that's been used in the industry quite a lot, to serve as sort of as a bridge between the old world and the new world. And you need, sometimes you need these bridges for people to come in, convert their fiat into crypto, uh, get some education, get some help, get the customer support that they, they might need the way that, you know, uh, Carl mentioned, uh, there, there is a, a role for centralized exchanges and centralized services to play here, uh, for many years to come, uh, because this won't be an overnight type of thing. This is, this is going to take years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have Catherine. Technology for that. Can I just, cause you, you talked about having the old and the new coexisting for a while. And um, like a hundred years ago, when the car was getting introduced to humanity, um, I heard that in some areas, um, you weren't allowed to uh, drive the car above a certain speed. And in some cases you needed to have a horse dragging the car behind itself. So basically you definitely had the old and the new coexisting for a while because people are afraid of um, um, new technology and, and it's not really proven and tested and whatever. But I mean, after a while, of course, the better technology took over and we're using cars now, not the horses. And I think it's the same with banks and uh, and all these different like centralized structures. We, we will have decentralized um, uh, exchanges, decentralized um, all kinds of services. And I think that they will grow in, um, in um, uh, like in adoption. I think we will probably always have some centralized exchanges still. Um, but um, yeah, I think the old and the new will definitely coexist for many years to come because we're far from having uh, decentralized exchanges that are easy to use for other than like really nerdy crypto people. <laughs> <laughs> really nerdy crypto people. That's 
the majority of us here, I hope, <laughs> um, which may not be the best light to characterize us, but it's fine. Um, I like that paradigm, the old and the new. Um, Catherine, would you agree with both Carl and Guy about what they've said of DeFi really being the next evolution of exchanges, you know, the better technology? Um, what intrigues you, you know, the most about this rise in popularity and interest in decentralized exchanges that we've been seeing as of late? Yeah, you absolutely see decentralized exchanges bringing out those exciting factors that digital assets provide. So the ability to have a transaction without a middleman, without a centralized force that lets you conduct this. There's still some key parts to which a centralized exchange is really vital for, especially in these early days. So you think about liquidity management, making sure that a centralized exchange is able to go out there and get as many people trading on their platform to ensure deep markets is something that's super important for people to be able to have uh, adequate trading activity going through the platform, something that the early days of decentralized exchanges struggled with because you didn't really know who was going to show up that day to start trading. We've, we've bridged that gap and now seeing huge amounts of volume go through on Uniswap in comparison to some of the other centralized exchanges. But the other elements, you've still got a team that's fighting for the user. And that's really something that's still vital in these early days of adoption. So the ability to put education at the forefront, be able to build something people actually want and need, be able to advance those products that people are demanding for. Some of that doesn't necessarily come along with decentralization because you just don't have those natural people looking out for the users. Hmm. Speaking to some of the, the difficulties around using a decentralized exchange and some of the hurdles that it still needs to overcome, um, Guy, I'm wondering if you share any sort of skepticism over exchanges that call themselves decentralized, but really they're just, you know, a team of developers pulling all the levers of making the trades on the platform work. What is, you know, the criteria in your eyes that would actually make an exchange decentralized as opposed to centralized? So yes, I have a great degree of, sus of suspicion, but that's not because of the projects themselves. It's because I'm not that technical to really understand if, if it's true, if the code itself is, is manifesting or is representing something that is indeed um, uh, censorship resistance and, and, and is, is truly decentralized. Uh, I can rely on experts. I can rely on friends that are experts and, and have far more technical depth than, than me in understanding if something is, it, is truly, at least on the trajectory of decentralization uh, or, or not, but I don't, I don't trust myself yet. And given all the um, failures of, of projects that were, uh, you know, presumed to be de decentralized, presumed to be uh, kind of rocket ships and so on and so forth, you have that kind of, and I think it's healthy to have that kind of um, uh, suspicion to check, to ask, to make sure that this is uh, a, a viable project. It's okay to be early adopter. You're taking high risk by going into projects that, you know, weren't tested. I, I think we're all on this call are, you know, fall into that category. So I'm perfectly happy to try things out. Um, but I, I'm going into certain projects knowing that I might never sue the, uh, never see these, these tokens, uh, you know, uh, back again. And that, that's okay. Uh, I'm, I'm par for the game. I, I want, I want to play. I want to contribute. I want to help. Uh, but this is a high risk, uh, game yet for, I, I would say the average investor there. there, there still needs to be, uh, a healthy dose of, of experimentation, of scale, of testing all sorts of, um, attacks and, you know, bad actors trying to, 
manipulate these these projects for for me to be able to come and recommend to my you know to to a friend of mine to family members hey go in uh this is this is good we're we're far from it hmm carl would you agree with that kind of skepticism that guy had just shared and and um, kind of elaborated on, you had mentioned you also had quite a few problems when you were using different DEXs and said that, you know, centralized exchanges are really easy to use, but with decentralized exchanges, you do come across um, perhaps lag times when if you're using a DEX on Ethereum, you could face very high fees when it comes to trading. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the, the main issues that you see right now with using DEXs? Well, so today I had a huge problem. I, I tried to, I had a token that I, I just really want to get rid of. I really want to sell it. And I've been trying for like two days now to, to sell it, but I have to approve it on Uniswap. And to approve it, I have to, to, I have to approve it with my, my hardware wallet. And now it's like, it's pending. I, I have like 40, 50 different orders now that are pending and I'm trying to, to cancel the orders, but it's not working. And I'm, it's not my internet connection. It's not my computer. It's like, there's something there with the fees or something, but I've also tried to increase the fees like to insane amounts, um, but it's still nothing is hard. So if someone has the explanation to what I should do here, feel free to check, like, I need to know, I really want to sell this coin. Um, but yeah, so that's the big problem. Like I, it's very hard to, um, to uh and i tried to search online go to reddit whatever and there are some uh, people that have similar problems and some people tell me to do this or that but so far i wasn't able to uh, sell this coin and um i get i seems like i'm stuck with it for 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 some time here um but yeah i this is one problem that i had literally today very, very relevant and timely. So, I mean, Carl, you've just explained some of your experience using those DEXs. Guy, you had mentioned that um, eToro had actually tried to build a decentralized exchange. And Catherine, I recently heard um, through an interview actually with the CEO of, of Binance CZ that um, they too were building, you know, a, a new blockchain for DeFi applications for DEXs to be built upon. Um, any initiatives that Binance US has taken either is taking right now or in the past um, as it relates to kind of broadening um, user experience with decentralized finance. I know that Binance is US is obviously a huge centralized exchange platform here, but um, tell me a little bit about your experience um, either under the company or yourself personally using these decentralized finance applications. Absolutely. One of the main points of Binance US coming into the market was to be able to deliver uh, a regulated exchange that allowed people a super easy way to move their dollars into digital assets. So being able to provide a, a variety of digital assets that people felt comfortable with, we had gone through our digital asset risk assessment framework for, and really were, were kind of confident in listing these and providing these offerings. And one of the things we've been able to do um, since launching when we only had seven coins is continue to expand that variety in the flavor of which cryptocurrencies are headed. So when we saw the trend towards DeFi, we began to look into the governance tokens because we wanted to give people the opportunity through an easy centralized mechanism to be able to get into these, uh, whether it's Compound, DAI, Maker, these other governance tokens that were relevant in the DeFi space, as well as be able to expand upon ones that we felt were gonna be game changers 
and where people said, I want to, I want to get involved, but I want the easiest way to get in there. And, and so we've been able to provide that for folks. And that's really where we see ourselves as a conduit to letting people get involved in the space. And then from there, they're able to launch into, uh, you know, a decentralized platform from there, or be able to just have a sense of how it works, having skin in the game to an extent. So I think about that, like when we launched um, different uh, platforms where we saw a lack of liquidity or it wasn't, it wasn't available in other places, that's where we're able to kind of step up and say, we've done our homework, we're ready to provide it, and you've got an adequate dollar pair as well as a USDT pair and are able to trade this 24-7 uh, on our platform. Um, so that's really where we kind of step into the DeFi space but there's so much more to be done. So we've actually joined the Chicago DeFi Alliance because we feel that there's just so much energy being put into DeFi and now I guess you could say NFTs, um, but where, where you're seeing the innovation take place and that kind of next use case of cryptocurrency begin to evolve. So being a centralized platform, we wanna be able to take our users on that journey as digital assets evolve and make sure America is not left behind because the rest of the world can um, do things in a way that's less regulated. We still want our users to feel comfortable with the platform, be able to have access to it and ease in order to transact on the platform. Speaking of the regulated aspect of Binance US and the time and the energy and the legwork that you guys have been doing, um, working with US regulators to, to get approvals for certain exchange operations and products, do you think that that kind of approval and that kind of progress could have been made on the regulatory front if it wasn't a centralized exchange, if it was a decentralized exchange? Um, what would you say, Catherine, have been the major successes um, so far this year as it relates to regulatory approval around crypto exchanges? And do you think that those could have been one if, if perhaps uh, Binance US wasn't centralized, it was a decentralized platform? Well, we, we definitely admit that we were, we were pretty late to the game. Uh, digital asset marketplaces in America started almost 10 years ago. I think it was Gemini's fifth birthday just yesterday or so. So for us to come in just a year ago, we were absolutely late to the game. And this actually came to our advantage. It wasn't the first time regulators were hearing about a digital asset marketplace. It wasn't the first time people were learning that this was actually a business. Um, you've actually now, by the time we've entered the market, JP Morgan has taken on some of the larger exchange clients as, as commercial banking clients. So there's been some sort of normalization curve that's been really helpful for us as we've been able to move through the United States regulatory processes, but there's still a lot of work to be done. So we actually are, back when we had offices, uh, our, our second office was immediately in Washington, DC, having, having boots on the ground there to be able to discuss in and out the really importance of this framework of, of crypto going forward, having it not be misconstrued or misrepresented was something that was super important to us. So that's where the, the great work of the Blockchain Association, the Chamber of Digital Commerce, POSA, the Proof of Stake Alliance, those have all been super helpful in just the educational components that are gonna make regulators more comfortable with the thing that we're very excited about. So that's really where we've seen regulation improve. We've also seen state by state level uh, kind of easings where you see the Florida FinTech sandbox being opened up, which is super exciting for more uh, crypto companies and FinTech companies to come, as well as you saw kind of the easing up of the examination process 
from a state by state level to be one that's across all the states. So it, it's hmm. still it still requires a lot of um, individual work with the states and the state regulators, getting them comfortable with our business that we have, as well as getting them excited for being able to provide the lowest fees in America to our users. Speaking of the regulatory um, progress that has been made, I do want to touch briefly on the headlines, on the news headlines that came out uh, last week about the indictments against BitMEX. Um, Guy, as a, as a centralized exchange operating in the US, did the indictments against BitMEX worry you at all about crypto exchange operations in the US? Did you feel like that was a shifting tide of uh, regulatory sentiment around cryptocurrency exchanges? Uh, I think we all have the occasional nightmares of waking up and uh, receiving receiving a call from you know from a friendly regulator asking what what is going on with something. But uh, in, in seriousness, I think we are um, we, we we are a you know Atisi Toro has been around for uh, you know for since two thousand seven, and we have been working in regulated environments. Um, across the globe, so in Europe, in, in, in uh, Hong Kong, in Australia, and now in the US. So when we look at an indictment, when we look at an enforcement action, obviously we learn it, we try to understand what happened, um, but we, we're running a pretty tight ship. We, we, we are a regulated uh, company uh, with multiple money transmitter licenses and, and so on and so forth. Uh, just this year, we also announced that we received uh, our membership application from FRINRA. So we'll be able to launch our stock trading offering next year, making it a multi-asset platform the way that we're outside of the U.S. But um, we, 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 so we're, we're trying to obviously learn from it and see, see what were the fact patterns that led to the indictment. Uh, but we are very, very careful about making sure that we're playing by the rules, uh, that we respond to all regulators with the, 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 the respect and courtesy that they need to support the industry. Uh, Catherine just mentioned uh, all sorts of wonderful organizations that we're also part of, uh, the Blockchain Association, the Chamber of Digital Commerce, and so on and so forth, where we're donating our money and our time to make sure that regulators are informed and educated about this space. Uh, for, for many of them, a decentralized anything is just uh, a, a scary word. It's just not, it doesn't compute. So we need to do a lot of work to make sure that we're not, get, we're not getting a knee-jerk reaction as an industry, not as an individual player, but as an industry to, to some sort of an extreme case of a company not, you know, or project uh, not playing by the rules. That is really what we all need to do as an industry to really come together the way that we do, I believe, in, in, a, in, a, in an improving way and making sure that they, they support innovation, they understand that this is the future and uh, they open up the, the way for more projects, more companies and more, more prosperity to be uh, to be achieved in in, in our vertical. Hmm. Carl, anything to add there to Guy's statements about how you think the recent indictments against Bitmax will impact um, how regulate how regulatory approval currently is going for the crypto industry, and perhaps more broadly, even just cryptocurrency trading, cryptocurrency assets. Yeah, so it's obvious that the market interpreted this as bad news because we did see a sell-off on the day on the same, yeah, on the in the same little like the same hour. Uh, personally, I think I mean it's kind of it was always something that I think we all kind of expected that I think like the U.S. is going to go out for these uh, 
these uh, derivatives exchanges. I think that um, it's not very surprising, but I'm not sure how bad it's going to be. Um, they, they're going after BitMEX, which is the biggest one. There are other ones out there also, of course. Um, personally, I, um, I honestly don't really know um, if this is going to lead anywhere also because from what I understand, what they are mostly um, angry with BitMEX about is the fact that they believe that or they think that BitMEX hasn't done enough to hold U.S. customers outside of BitMEX. But, I mean, it's obvious if you go to BitMEX that they say that you're not allowed to trade if you're, you, if you're from the U.S. and you cannot even log in if you're from the U.S. So I just wonder, like, what else can they do? Like, I don't know, how, how can you keep people from trading there? Um, so it will be very interesting to follow because um, if, if this leads to um, um, something bad, then this could potentially be bad, not only for other centralized exchanges, but maybe even for some DeFi projects also like decentralized exchanges, because how decentralized are they actually? There's always someone behind it. And um, from what I understand, there are sometimes um, people behind the exchanges with more power than you might think so um yeah will be interesting to follow for sure i think that um mm. it will be um, interesting not only for centralized exchanges but also actually maybe even for decentralized exchanges um in that sense mm -hmm. well really good food for thought and i think good lingering um pointers to what we should be looking out for in the upcoming months. Uh, we actually only have a few minutes left in this panel. So I want to give a final question to all three of you guys. And if you could keep your answers short, um, that would benefit whoever's coming up next um, on the program. Uh, my final question for you guys is what do you think is going to be the next big innovation for cryptocurrency exchanges and trading platforms um, that you'd hopefully like to see worked on more over the next 12 months. Catherine? Oh no, don't come to me first. I had a wave of innovation that just came through. Um, well, I, I think that there's there's some component that we still need to improve upon is the, the connectivity between education and the application of the products themselves. So there's still a big disconnect, basically pointing people to go online and you'll learn about it. And then here's our product. And I think that can be bridged and make it even easier for people to be able to navigate these waters and dive in a little bit earlier than maybe they're typically doing with their traditional banking infrastructure. So I'm excited for that to take place. Hmm. Guy? So I'm actually uh, really excited about all sorts of design innovation that's coming in the space because I think that technology is, is uh, you know, moving forward extremely fast. Um, and we will see more and more um, fascinating projects be, being built. But it's really, and I think we touched upon that earlier in the conversation, it's the design innovation. It's making it simple, easy, intuitive to use so that more and more people can find themselves accessing these platforms and accessing these projects. And I think you can easily see products that were built by developers because no one can use it. It's very difficult. Um, but once you get that that those designers to come in and believe in crypto and, and contribute and, and uh, figure out a way to, uh, you know, scale design to the point where it's, it, it looks and feel like, you know, like a centralized app basically that where people were uh, thinking a lot about and, and making sure that the, the average user can easily grasp it. I think this is where the innovation uh, um, 
that, that I'm looking for in C a, a bit now uh, would come in and make uh, make DeFi a lot more accessible to to a lot more people. Hmm. Carl? Um, yeah, so the, the downside with the DEX today is that there is no customer support. I would love to see uh, a decentralized exchange that is so good that I don't care that there's no customer support because everything's just working. So let's hope for that. Maybe we can even get into decentralized customer support. <laughs> if that's, that's such a paradox when you think about it, but no, yes. Um, <laughs> people helping people. I think it's, I think it's the future. People helping people. Thank you so much, Carl, Guy, and Catherine for your thoughtful remarks on this panel. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into this discussion. There's more coming up at LA Blockchain Summit. Goodbye, everyone. This has been a production of Industry Pods in association with Evergreen Podcasts Network. Hear this and other industry pods at evergreenpodcasts.com, your favorite podcast app, or listen at industrypods.com for your number one virtual conference podcast experience.